0: Hi, hi, hi. Welcome to How the Fuck Did You Bounce Back? I am your host, Rebecca Lee. And in this episode, I chat with a super interesting individual with a super interesting story. I chat with comedian Ben Brown. Now, Ben grew up on a Mormon polygamist compound. So he was in a cult. We chat about how he grew up a Mormon polygamist, how he got out of that religion, how he got out of that cult. What he's doing today, um, he has become a comedian and a keynote speaker, specifically helping cult survivors rebuild their lives, which is just so fucking cool. Um, He has such an interesting story. So if you're interested in uh, how to survive a cult, this is the episode for you. So without further ado, this is How the Fuck Did You Bounce Back with guest Ben Brown. And we're going. do you prefer Ben or Benjamin?
1: um I prefer Ben
0: okay cool. uh well hi welcome to the show. I don't know you you don't know me
1: um we don't know each other yeah this is just going to be a, a hilarious um first podcast date where <laughs> we sort of feel each other out and decide if if we're interested in continuing
0: how many podcasts have you you have done a podcast before I right? have
1: done I've done probably f- six or seven podcasts. Mm
0: oh okay so you're a pro i don't know, you know if that makes me
1: a podcast slut or not it but... does huge, oh it does attack. yeah okay. yeah huge horror. um uh, but I, mean, yeah. I was going for that actually
0: perfect uh well you're right on track um <laughs> okay let's just jump into it because i don't know anything about you and well i know a little bit from just TikTok, but i would rather you say it um yeah. because it's it's wild um cool so is there a moment in time uh, a low point a challenge that you are proud of bouncing back from and can you tell us about it
1: yes it was in fact so uh that was probably the time when i was born in a mormon polygamous cult and then labor trafficked and isolated from society until i was 20 and then i was sent out into the wicked world to prophesy about the end of days and then realized that my entire life was a lie and then went to therapy and got better
0: yeah that's a, that's 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 a lot. That's some. That's, that's what I bounced back from. Yeah, yeah. that's some so bouncing been, back.
1: It was quite the trampoline. Yeah, I'm I'm really great at backflips.
0: So wait, how long have you been? How long have you been out of? Was it a cult? Did you say it was a cult or is it not? It a cult? was a cult.
1: Yeah. So I mean, it depends on how you define. I I I define all of Mormonism as a cult. Okay. Um, <laughs> you don't
0: even know if i'm mormon you didn't even ask
1: me. i do know that you're mormon because i can see your shoulders
0: oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> wait and, is that a thing you can't see your shoulders oh right?
1: yeah you can't show in i fact, don't know in i fact, don't know anything about it in in mormonism in utah they call those porn shoulders
0: oh hell yeah
1: yeah yeah so you're like the you're showing up the way you do right now is like pornography
0: oh i'm fact, so happy now i kind of want to go there just so that i can be known as you
1: totally should in fact, a Mormon prophet once said that women who dress like you become walking pornography Hell for the men. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean if that's been something you've been wanting to just stroll down any street in Utah and you will be you'll get to fulfill your fantasy. Wait, so,
0: like how many people would you say are Mormon like percentage-wise? Okay, so
1: so here's how to think about about Mormonism, right? So, Mormonism is a big religious movement that got started by Joseph Smith. Back in the 1830s right he looked at a rock and a hat and god spoke to him
0: oh oh okay
1: okay have you seen the south park about mormons
0: no i don't think i have but okay
1: it's basically 100 accurate like joseph smith was this kid he looked at a rock and a hat and that told him where to go find these golden plates that were buried in the dirt and so he went and he did that he couldn't show anyone the plates because they were they would steal them obviously because they were wicked And so he didn't show anyone the plates, but he did translate a book called the Book of Mormon. And then he started a new church and then he got killed for marrying teenagers, which is something that it's kind of a culty thing. Like cult leaders like to do it. They can't even stop themselves because that's what God wants. Right. Is for his leaders to have teenage wives.
0: Wait, that's what they say that they want.
1: That's what Joseph Smith wanted. Yeah, for sure. He, he, he came to, he came to to teenagers and he told them, he would say his line was that an angel with a flaming sword appeared to me. Right. Kind of hot and told me that if I did not marry you, that he would be, that I would be slain. So you have to marry me or this angel is going to going to kill me and at work he married like six or seven teenagers right. in fact and then he, there's
0: the whole like polygamy aspect of
1: right mormonism. right so joseph smith starts polygamy and then joseph smith dies right and when he dies most of the time when cults when a cult leader dies the cult dies too but mormonism didn't because there were a whole bunch of people who like vied for power after joseph died and like took over different parts of it so one of those parts was something called the the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints, which, if you've heard about Mormons, that's probably what you've heard of. They're the okay. ones with like the big space temples everywhere. They've got like the 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 gay little boys in like white shirts that ride around on their bikes and like preach the gospel. Okay, that's that's the LDS Church, but there are like 400 different different groups of Mormons. So my family was was uh, LDS Mormon. Before I was born and then, but in the LDS church, they don't practice polygamy anymore unless you have died. So if I'm a, if I'm a, if I'm a dude and only for dudes, by the way, like only guys get to marry multiple uh, wives, wives don't get to have multiple husbands. I agree. Super stupid. In my cult, you can have as many of whatever you want as you want. Love that. I love that too. It's really great. Um, And so, yeah, so, so they don't, they don't practice polygamy, but my parents back before I was born, they were like, we're kind of down with this polygamy thing. And so my dad and my two moms, they all joined a polygamist version of the cult. And then I was born uh, into that. And so we were on this like tiny little like compound in Wyoming, this little ranch. And um we were just kind of waiting for the apocalypse. We were gonna be a place of safety. Um, where the righteous people could flee to in the end times when everything falls apart. So right now, so if you were righteous, I would be inviting you back to my family's ranch to be safe. Um, but you're not obviously cause of the porn shoulders. Yeah. So, uh, so you're just gonna have to write it out.
0: Um, yeah. Damn. I'm fine with that. Um, wait, so say again, who lived on this little compound in Wyoming?
1: So it was, it was like, it was my grandpa and his wives and then my dad and his wives,
0: how many? How many are we talking?
1: Uh, we're talking. so my grandpa had three wives, and my dad had three wives for a little bit, but then one of them left. okay. so so I he had like two and a half wives, I guess okay,
0: okay. um,
1: and then like probably like twenty or thirty kids.
0: okay, okay. And is there like, okay, I'm gonna ask something that's probably really stupid.
1: I love that for you,
0: okay, great. Um do they like is there like incest stuff happening?
1: That's a really great question. So, in my family, no.
0: Okay.
1: In in different in different sects, it kind of dips. So, like in in the in the wider Mormon Mormon cult, there's a lot of marrying cousins. Not like immediate cousins, but like fourth or fifth cousins. Like that's that's happening pretty frequently. Okay. Um, that's why there's like if you've ever been to Utah, you'll notice that everyone's like really good looking, and they all kind of look the same it's because the same hot people have been marrying each other for
0: oh Mormons are hot
1: Mormons are in fact BYU has has, uh won like the hottest campus uh on in America for a couple of years yeah Mormons are pretty hot I
0: didn't know that I did not know Mormons were hot um okay so you're born you're born into this and then born into it so it's like to you this is normal. Like, it, this is it's super so, normal. it's what you've known. It's, you know, it's, it's yeah. what it's, people experience different versions it, of this it, when it's, it's like. It surprised me when
1: I found out that other people didn't have multiple. Months.
0: Right. Like, when you I have any like, sort of trauma in your life, you're like, I. that's all I knew. Like, I right. all I knew was abuse or whatever. Right. That or was the entire,
1: that. I thought everyone worked for 16 hour days in a bakery as a teenager.
0: Yeah. So, t- take me through like your teenage we'll do teenage like existence like you wake up what like when do you wake wake up and then take me through. yeah the day? so
1: so when I was eight years old I started working in my in my family's bakery so my family had like a little bakery on the on the ranch and they would like make bread and cinnamon rolls and cookies and then they'd go and sell it to like the stores around like in Yellowstone National Park um and so a typical day for me was I I would wake up at like um three o'clock in the morning. I'd go down to this, to this bakery and I'd start working and I'd be working with like these really big, heavy mixing machines. And I would dump like 50 pound bags of flour in them. And I'd like make the bread. And then I'd cut them, put them into these huge cutting machines and I'd cut them up and we'd roll them through like this, this, uh, this machine that would kind of like roll them into dough, like roll them into loaves. And you didn't want to get your fingers stuck in that because it would fuck you up. And it did. I mean, I was quick, so it didn't never got me, but I got a couple of my a couple of my buddies. Okay, and um, yeah, I would basically work in the, in the bakery for you know twelve, sometimes sixteen hours, and then I'd go to bed, and then I'd do the same thing the next day. Every day. Every day, yeah.
0: They, they didn't like rotate you out and they were like, Hey, you're not good at baking anymore. We're going to switch you out.
1: No, it turns out I was excellent at baking. damn Yeah. So, and again, that's kind of part of the part of you don't know it. Right. Like as, as a, as a person who's kind of in that, right. Who's, who's doing that working every day, who's kind of unaware that that isn't, isn't normal. I, I kind of like, Oh, I'm a good worker, right. I'm helping my family. I'm doing all these things that are that are normal and and uh, and then I went to eventually I, I get sent to college, and so I kind of go out into the into the into the more did you, broad.
0: Did you have school before that before college? No,
1: no, I was homeschooled, uh, which oh, okay. basically meant like they would like hand me books to read. So like my mom taught me algebra two, and she did that by handing me an algebra two textbook and saying, "Here, learn algebra II. and so I just read it. And what I learned actually is that the answers are in the back of the book. <laughs> which yeah, has actually man. been more that single insight has been more valuable to me in my life than I think algebra 2 would have.
0: Been. I I would agree with that. I would agree with that completely. Uh, how did you get into so you applied to college and you were just like I was homeschooled, here's my GPA, it's a 4.0 uh
1: Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I I was homeschooled. I did I did go and I took the I took the ACT um which was the first test that I'd ever I ever taken in my life. Um, and I did I did pretty well on it, um, just because I guess I picked C a lot. I don't know. I was just doing the stuff. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Then I then I was in college, and they they wanted me, wanted me to go to college because they thought that I should become a lawyer, because they believe that the U.S. government exists basically solely to oppress polygamists, and so they're like, look, you've got to go to college because then you can become a lawyer because then you can protect us from the government. Got it and i was like that totally checks out that's a normal thing that uh parents ask of their children all the time i will do that yeah and and a couple of years at college and i was like oh it's way cooler out here and so wait I just, was it
0: BYU is that where you went
1: no no i went to uh i went to like a little liberal arts college in southern utah
0: okay so they weren't more that it wasn't like a mormon college or wasn't it? it wasn't
1: like a mormon college no it was like a it was more like an alt right college it was like a, Fuck. yeah, it was pretty wild. <laughs> That's not good either. Like, you went from one like, bad to another bad. I know it was like out of the frying pan and into the fire. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it was, it was pretty wild. Like they, that college sort of existed. This was like way back. This was before like QAnon, this was before the alt-right became cool, right? And um, they- Is it cool? I don't think it's, it's cool. Not, it's i think i don't think it's cool i'm just saying before it was like
0: before it was like in the zeitgeist guys pop like culture mainstream i guess sure mainstream or, yes yes yeah
1: before it was something that was making it you know annoying for this was like the baby versions of of okay. and they were like pretty convinced that they were that they were going to save america because america was the greatest thing in the entire world and that god had created america mm-hmm. and that it was it was our god-given duty to save america from those stupid liberal bastards who are trying to, you know, make kids be gay and, and take show away. their
0: fucking shoulders and show their shoulders in public. <laughs> <laughs> Those fucking whores.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that was my, that was my college experience. Okay.
0: What did you study?
1: Um, I studied, uh, just, uh, uh like the liberal arts. So I studied like English. I studied some philosophy, uh um, okay. your degree is
0: like it, or did you get a degree and it's in? My
1: degrees in in liberal arts. Oh, yeah.
0: okay, 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 yeah. okay, okay. So you're in college. You're like, oh, cool, this is cooler. And then you're meeting people that aren't Mormon. What does your family think of this? Oh, wait. Well, I'm meeting.
1: So I'm. I'm. And I want to. So I'm meeting people who are Mormon, but are not polygamous Mormon, right? Because I'm still in the Mormon <sighs> bubble. Got right? it. So the Mormon bubble is like Utah, and then like a little bit outside of Utah, it's like a densely populated Mormon Mormon thing. And so I've basically gone from the polygamous Mormons to the more mainstream Mormons.
0: Oh, okay.
1: And okay. Um, while I'm there, I, I end up I end up joining the LDS Church for for a little while because I'm like they're like a little bit less crazy, so I'll just kind of be that kind of Mormon for a while. Um, I get married like a good Mormon kid. I have three children on a, like immediately because that's what you do to you know continue the bloodline. Um, and then about five years into that, I, I, I start to learn about some of the, some of the lies that are told in Mormon history that are told to Mormons that kind of keep them trapped in the cult. And, um, and I was like, Oh my God, I didn't know all of these things. I was lied to my entire life is a lie. Yeah. So there's this moment where, when I realized that when you're deconstructing a cult, especially when it's something that you're born into, and like my family has been part of this cult since it started back in the 1830s. So it's almost 200 years of programming and manipulation and brainwashing has been going on in my family. And, and then I'm I'm kind of becoming aware of that as I sort start to learn about some of the things that were were sort of hidden for me. Like one, one example of that is earlier, we were kind of joking around about Joseph Smith marrying uh, girls. That wasn't told to me when I was a kid. I was told that that was not true. Um, and it's 100% true, it's, it's entirely accurate. Not only is it accurate, when it became, for years, the, the power brokers in Mormonism, like the LDS Church, they denied it. They they would say, no, that's a lie. Joseph, our, our, our prophet would never do such a thing. And then it was only with the invention of the internet and the overwhelming evidence that, that you can't keep it hidden anymore, that they then started to say, okay, 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 Maybe he did some of these things and they publish a series of essays where they try to explain. And literally I'm giving you one example, but there are dozens of examples of things like this, that that kind of shake people's faith in, in Mormonism. And the one that was, that did it for me is that they have an essay where they are, are sort of justifying Joseph's polygamy where they're saying, yeah, Joseph married multiple people, but it's okay because God told him to. And one of the lines that they say in there is they admit that he married a teenager and they say, this is a direct quote. They say Helen Mar Kimball was married to Joseph Smith several months before her fifteenth birthday. Yikes! Yeah, which is a really shitty way to say fourteen.
0: Mm-hmm. It doesn't either way. It's like it doesn't matter if it's fifteen or fourteen, bro. Like right, oh like good. you
1: didn't make it better. You what didn't. you showed is that you don't understand how bad it is. Right? So,
0: but, but this whole time they were like, oh, he didn't do that. So like, clearly they know it's bad if they were like, he didn't do it. He didn't do so yeah. It's like, you know, and then now they're like, oh, he did do it. And are, are they like, and it's fine to marry that young?
1: Well, yeah. What they're, yeah, they'll say, they said, they said things like it was normal to marry that back then people were getting married at 14. And they were also like, maybe he didn't have sex with her because you know how it is when, you know, cult leaders marry teenage girls. They never have sex with them. That's such a weird thing that they would want to do
0: oh god
1: and it's pretty gross right and that for me was like the that was the moment where i was like okay i can't like i can no longer even be associated with an organization that like it doesn't matter that my entire family's in it it doesn't like immediate family and extended family right it doesn't matter that my all of my friends my entire world my job right all of these things that i've built my life around are a hundred percent not true but i I cannot, I cannot stay where they're true because the things that I have to accept in order to do that are things like God comes down and tells people to marry children. And that's just not, I'm not going to sign up for that kind of God.
0: How, but how are you, how did that happen to you? Cause it seems like if other people are willing to accept it, what made you different in terms of like rejecting that and being like, I don't want to be a part of that anymore. If, if, if all these other people were like, oh, it's fine. Like, did something happen to where like, cause they all got the yeah. same information you did there's, and yet so they wanted to stay, right?
1: There are, there are, so there aren't just, there's tons cause Mormonism, Mormonism is bleeding out people right now. Like there's a mass exodus. So there are, uh-huh. there are, so even though when I was doing it, I was the only one in my family that was doing it, There's, there's also tons of people that are discovering this information and then they, they end up leaving. So there is, there is a movement out. I don't know, like the, I think the thing that made me a little bit different is that I had, um, I, I felt empathy. Like I could imagine what it would feel like to be a child and to be told that you have to marry an old dude and that god want cuz i'd cuz i'd been told that to do things that i didn't want to do because god told me to right so i knew kind of what that felt like and so i don't want to make other people feel that way and i don't want to i don't want to exist in a in a world where i have to believe that right where i have to like i get to i'm the author of my own destiny i'm the creator of my own world and i refuse to live in a world where God, whatever God is, it does not abuse children,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? It does not take, it does not take men and put them in positions of power to exploit and manipulate people. It doesn't do that. So anything that's doing that isn't God, that's something else. And and I'm not going to like like, first it was like, I'm not going to be a part of that. And then it was like, I'm not going to be a part of that. And I'm going to, speak about it as often as i can and as many venues as i can so that um, as many people know as possible that there are organizations in the world right now like the lds church who literally have hundreds of billions of dollars tax-free dollars right uh because they're a a religion right and they are apparently cool with pedophilia as long as god tells you to
0: sure so many so many thoughts um but i want to like so you're like okay i don't want to do this thing anymore it's awful what does your wife say what are your kids like your kids i guess were very young
1: my kids were pretty young so they were all kind of like sweet we're not going to go to church anymore okay. um yeah. my wife and she was my wife at the time we've since split up she was she was down as well she she learned a lot of this stuff at the same time as well and so she was like yeah we'll 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 get out um and what that ultimately sort of began right is there's this moment when we're like okay we're not going to i'm not going to continue to be a part of this and and part of that realization and this is kind of the that moment right when we're talking about what did i bounce back from because it wasn't just oh the church that i'm in isn't true it's the church that i'm in and all of the choices that i've made in my life up until this point are built on something that is not that i reject now so it wasn't just that like, I'm not part of this church anymore. It was like, I got married in this religion as a religious act, right? Not because it was something that I thought about and chose to do. It was because God told me I need to get married. And then God told me I have to have children. So there was all of these different ways that I would kind of constructed my life that I now realized were not actually in alignment with who I was. And that I didn't really even know who I was because I'd never been given the opportunity or been really asked, hey, who's this ben person? I've ju- I just been told, hey, this is what's good and you have to do all of the things that are good.
0: What how old are you when this, happen- this, like, change this is, like 20, happened? This like changed This is
1: I'm like 20 this in 2015, so I think I'm 26.
0: Okay. So then what does that look like for like what happened next with your family and your life?
1: Well, the the first thing that I did is I uh I got a therapist.
0: <laughs> see like see like people if if you or any you know what I mean? Like if you can do it when you ca- it came out of a cult and yet yeah. you still wanted to uh grow as an individual yeah. and learn about who you are, like you can fucking do it. Okay, so you found it there, it's a so easy,
1: right? And and if yeah. you're bouncing, like if you've identified that there's something that you need help bouncing back from, I would just say like one, own it, like fucking do it. And don't do it by yourself. Oh my God, why would you do that? <laughs> yeah. Why would you, why would you do something that is like literally probably the hardest thing that you'll ever do by yourself? Mm-hmm. Right. And so that wasn't really like when I when I when I first leave, right? I'm kind of becoming aware. I'm learning about like I didn't even know there were things called therapists. And then I learned about, oh, there are these therapist things. And eventually it kind of like, as I after I've left, as I'm kind of like processing my own experience, I become pretty aware that um that I'm I'm sort of deeply traumatized that i've got a lot of and that cuz it's not just the it's not just the religion and the brainwashing it's also that i've been essentially a child slave for 10 years and so i've got all of this like physical trauma stored in my body in fact i've got this kind of cool picture of there's like a a, a picture i got my driver's license one year and then like a couple of years i got it done again and it's like a totally different person wow. cuz my whole body was like like tight like i was like just wrapped up And so I started kind of shaking a lot. And so I got, I actually went, so I had this realization. I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm traumatized. I need, I don't just need a therapist. I need a a therapist who specializes in trauma, right? Because the thing that I need to unpack is that some shit happened to me that I couldn't process and it's stored in my body. And I got to, got to get that taken care of. So I Google, I have this realization. I still remember I'm like at this conference for work. I'm just kind of like walking around and I, I just have this, I'm like, Thinking about it, and I'm like, oh, I'm traumatized. And so I get out my phone and I just Google trauma therapist and then the city that I was living in. And this first person comes up, her name's Stacy. I call her up and I'm like, hey, um, I'm pretty sure I'm traumatized. Um, here's like give her, give her a brief bio. And I'm like, can I come in and like talk to you? And she's like, great. So I went in and I I started meeting with her. And I I really was this very, it was like a multi-year process of getting back into my body there was a lot like my body started shaking a lot. So shaking is one of the ways that the human body will kind of expel trauma that's kind of gets stored in there. So I started shaking a lot. Um, I started to kind of like, uh, you know, I've started to kind of learn to breathe. I'd start, I've learned that i be been like chronically dissociating. So I was starting to come back into my body more. Um, and that took, you know, I I did some pretty intensive therapy with her for about two years. And um. And then I felt like I'd kind of landed and I was kind of back in back in myself. And then I started to look at my immediate life. And I, I realized that there were parts of my life that were not in alignment with who I really was. And that the biggest thing that there were kind of two big things that were not in alignment for me. And that was number one was my job. So at that point, I was uh, the COO of an online education company. I'd sort of helped build... This, I'd started out as a teacher and kind of helped build this online education company. And that really wasn't what I wanted to be doing. That didn't, that wasn't aligned with who I was as a person. And then the other thing was, was my marriage. Mm. I I looked at my marriage and I realized this is not like, I'm not, marriage isn't actually something that I want to do. Like if I'm, if I'm honest about who Ben is and what Ben really wants, Ben doesn't want to be married. So then I took another couple of years to kind of unwind both of those. I ended up leaving the company. So, you know, I got myself, I, I I took a, about a year and a half and got divorced. And, and that really has kind of brought me back to to now, which is now I, now I feel like I've just bounced back. So now I get to be who I am and I get to kind of live the life that I want to live. Um, and I get to do it on my terms.
0: Yeah, that's, just so much to uh have to process and deal with what what was it what is it like i'm assuming you probably still experience some of this is like finding who you are and like your identity when it's been so wrapped up in a religion and a lifestyle that you just no longer agree with like how do you go about finding who you are again
1: i just i just try a lot of shit Mm. and and so i gave myself permission um you know early on to kind of have a like have a, a redo at adolescence. So I'm kind of giving myself permission to to have the adolescence that I didn't have. So if I want to go do something, like I'll go, like I'll go to a party or I'll go to like last year I went to Burning Man and I was mm. like, look, I'm just gonna like throw myself into experiences and I'll see. And if there's something that feels good, then I'll chase that. And if it doesn't feel good, then it it won't. And it started out with kind of like little things. Like I would give myself permission to do small little things. And then slowly I just kind of got my comfort zone got a little bit bigger. And it's actually one of the, like that's that's the part of this journey that to me isn't difficult or hard. It's actually really fun because self-discovery is like this endlessly delightful experience. Cause I think that what a lot of people don't really understand, cause you didn't grow up in like a, like a shitty compound in the backwoods of nowhere is that the world is actually pretty fucking awesome. Like the basic things that we get in life, like air conditioning and like, like carpets. And like, there's so much about our, our lived experience right now as humans, the music that we get to listen to, the movies that we get to watch, right? All of the art that we surround ourselves with, the food that we get to eat. There's so many different, beautiful, delightful things about the human experience. And, um, And I get, I feel kind of lucky that I get to experience a lot of those for the first time, essentially as an adult, because I feel like now I can really appreciate it. Like, I I don't know if I would, if I was, you know, 14 or 16, I don't know that I would, it would mean the same thing. Right. But when you have your first cup of coffee and when you're 28, like, you're kind of like, oh, this coffee is pretty fucking rad.
0: Yeah. Oh my god, I have a really stupid question. I just like don't know anything about Mormonism, so like my just humor me okay.
1: I'm a hundred percent. I love answering stupid questions about Mormonism.
0: Okay, great. I don't think this is about Mormonism is Utah, whatever. Do they like drink soda with cream in it or something? A hundred
1: percent. Yeah. So Can this, you explain
0: uh, this for me? Yeah, <laughs> You're yeah, like, yeah. yeah, pulling me this is okay, and I'm like, yeah, so, but what about the soda cream?
1: Right. It's actually right in line with it because so Mormons have Mormons believe in something called the word of wisdom, which is basically that God told Joseph Smith what we should eat and what we shouldn't eat. And so, isn't it great? And it it bans coffee and tea. Okay. But it does not ban sugary drinks. And so Mormons, Mormons, they can't do drugs. They can't do coffee. They can't do, you know, marijuana, alcohol. All of alcohol, that is yeah. forbidden to them. Okay, The one drug that is not forbidden to them is sweets, right? Okay, it's sugar. sugar. And so they love like it's not just sugary drinks like literally you can go to they 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 have soda wars they call them here in Utah but these these uh gas like these like fast food restaurants where with cars lined up for blocks and they'll go in and they'll get like a forty four ounce like they call them like dirty sodas and they can like they'll put like cream or like other syrups and stuff like and make a super it's basically like a cocktail (laughs) but (laughs) with but with soda pop. (laughs) <laughs> is,
0: do, is there a lot of diabetes and cavities? In, there
1: is tons in- and a lot of, a lot of obesity. Yeah.
0: Oh, really? Yeah.
1: So we really, it really hits us, but we love it. We love it with our, we love it with our, our, our soda. We love our cookies too. They have like these gourmet cookie. I mean, if you want a really awesome cookie, you really do have to come to to Utah because we have the best, but it's like, they'll have like these gourmet cookies. You can just order. They just started like a donut shop. I think there's literally, there's a town, there's a store here. Where you can go and it's got like just huge vaults of every different kind of sugar cereal that you could ever want. Uh, and you get a so big ass bowl me. and you can just make whatever kind of cereal combination you want and then and then eat it.
0: That yeah, I, I I feel like I saw something on TikTok of people like putting cream in their fucking sodas and I was like that looks foul, but I yeah. I don't know. To each his own, I guess. Um, did what like sort of residual emotions did you feel coming out of mormonism because it feels like there would be some sort of like guilt or shame or something not because you just yeah. obviously because you deserve it you're a kid but like
1: Definitely, what did you
0: experience
1: so, so i've i've had to work through kind of a lot of a, a lot of shame a lot of guilt um especially around things like um like there's a lot of sexual shame and guilt that goes on in the, in the culture. So a lot of that I've had to work through. Um, and then honestly kind of where it's landed now, right? So there's kind of working through those emotions. And now as I'm, as I'm processing it, what I end up processing is a lot of anger. Mm. So I get, I get a lot of anger about, um, what was done to me and kind of the, what was kind of done to me in the name of religion, what was the things I was denied, the experiences I was denied, like a normal adolescence because of the, the religion. And then I get pretty angry about the, the things that they're still doing right They're Like Utah right now still is like, it's, it's got the highest rate of, of LGBTQ teen suicide in the nation. And that's because Mormonism teaches that if you're gay, that's okay. You just can't do anything about it. You have to be eternally celibate.
0: I didn't know that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so because they say that that being gay isn't bad, it's just acting on those feelings. Uh,
0: uh, yeah, like do, does anybody live I mean, I guess you, you live in Utah and you're not Mormon anymore?
1: Yeah, there's a pretty there's a there's a growing subculture and it's becoming more and more vocal. Um and it's kind of it's kind of actually kind of fun to be in, to be a part of, but it's it's yeah, there's a there's definitely an ex-Mormon culture and a and a non-Mormon culture, but the Mormon culture is still by far the dominant.
0: Do so you get like shamed as a non-Mormon? Like, if I walk down the street totally. like with this, what, like, what, like, what would
1: happen? Like, it depends on where me on, or something. It depends on where you where you're at. But um in some places, in some places, you would be you, you would feel like like everyone else is dressed that way too. Like deeper in the city, in other places, you would definitely get some weird looks.
0: Oh, it was just it would just be looks. They wouldn't be like you're a you fucking might,
1: oh, slut. You might get well. They probably wouldn't say fucking or oh, slut. Oh, they can't say that. No, no. And remember Mormons, Mormons are generally pretty nice in their judgment. So it would oh. be more like, it'd be more like they would come up to you and be like, like invite you to church so that oh, you could got it. like cleanse yourself of your harlot ways. Oh. And also take off the tie. Those are for men.
0: <laughs> it's a scarf. You ex-Mormon fuck. <laughs> I'm glad that you're like fun and funny and not like. I don't know. I'm glad
1: that I'm fun and funny too. It really uh, makes the comedy thing work better being fun and funny.
0: Yeah. Okay. So, wait, what do you, cause you do, do you do stand up? Did I make I this do, up?
1: I do stand up. Yeah.
0: Okay. So, when did you, okay. So, you're shifting and then you're like, okay, I'm not going to work for this education platform anymore. I'm going to do what? Like, I'm going what?
1: to do stand up. So, I started, okay. I started doing, I started pursuing stand up. I, I did my open, my first open mic two years ago. And, um, and then just like, really like I had, I had kind of, when I exited, I had a little bit of money that I was, that was taken with it. So I could kind of like, like live frugally. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I just really kind of went in, into that. So I've, I've been doing that for two years now. I just did my first, I just headlined for my first time back in March and I'm doing my first full weekend gig, um, in like two weeks. So oh, hell yeah.
0: Where, yeah, where,
1: excited. uh, here at, in wise at wise guys in Utah.
0: Oh cool. Cool. That's very exciting. What like made you want to do comedy? Just the fact that you have so many stories to tell?
1: It, yeah, so I it, it was kind of it was kind of like a combination of, you know, I think like maybe every comic I didn't get enough attention as a child mm. and uh I've kind of an interesting reason why. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and um so and I also I I always have really loved like I just like I like holding court You know, like I like I like talking. I like bantering. I like kind of being in conversation and finding the thing that kind of you'll say, and everyone's like, ha ha ha. Like I just I get that I get that rush, and uh, and so I had kind of this idea. I didn't know about it growing up, right? So I I learn about. I watch Brian Regan when I'm like 22, on like this VHS tape, and I'm like, oh my god, this is a thing that people do, um, and so I decided to go try it. And and when I did my first open mic, um like I, I went up and I did my, I did my set and, I, and it worked. Like it, it, I got a really great response. I got lots of really great laughs and I was just kind of like, hell yeah. Like this is, this is the thing. Like what I, w- I want more of that. What can I do everywhere else so that I get more of me doing that. Right. Yeah. Um, and then when I headlined, uh, it was my first time. So I did, I did 60 minutes and it was my first time doing 60 minutes. lot. I was lot. just like, I was just like, Oh my gosh. Like I felt, I felt free in a new way. It was like all I could like walk around. I could do whatever I would wanted. I was like the God of that space. And, um, yeah, so it just, it's like, it's, it's just, it feels really good to do it. And, um, you know, I'd be telling people, I'd tell people that I grew up the way that I did and I'd always have their instant attention. Right. So they're always like, Oh, tell me more. Right. And then, so, so it felt like there's sort of this natural kind of, uh, there's kind of this natural connection between what I like and what I'm naturally good at and kind of the life experience that I've had that kind of makes for an interesting product. Right.
0: Yeah. Did you have like a big culture shock going from living on a compound to not living I, on a compound? I'm
1: still in the middle of that culture shock.
0: Ooh, explain, explain to me.
1: So I, I mean, it's, it's at least every day that that someone will reference something that I have no idea what they're talking about. Okay. So they'll say something like, um, "I don't even know," because I don't because I don't know. Like, like, what was like a
0: big thing when you, like, what was the biggest thing where you were like, "Oh shit, this is a thing out here." Like, can you think of anything?
1: I mean, definitely, definitely, how much skin is is exposed.
0: Oh, that's like the biggest <laughs> one for you, huh? It is. <laughs>
1: It's like, cause I'm from, I'm from a place where it's like ankles and like, you could wear it all the way down to your, your wrists and your ankles, like fully clothed. You never see anything. And so, yeah, I mean, when I, when I first leave, right, I'm like 19 years old. I'm a 19 year old, very righteous Mormon boy who does his damnedest to not touch himself because that's a sin. Okay. And then all of a sudden I'm walking around with like all of these people who are just like fucking like Showing i mean I'm their seeing shoulders clavicles yeah yeah so that was a that wait, was how a do you
0: you never you've ne- you had never seen
1: i'd never seen like e- that
0: ever ever,
1: ever. <gasps> and so and so all the so that's like and i'm just like what so what is happening
0: yeah that's that's huge wait were are men allowed to show their shoulders and shit or no
1: um, not in, I it kind of depends on the the version, but in my, in, in the, in the sect that I was in, in my family, men are generally also supposed to be clothed as well.
0: Oh, so some it, men can show their shoulders.
1: Some men, depending on if they're going to be righteous or not. In fact, one of the things that, that we were taught is that you're supposed to actually have sex with your garments on. So that Mormons wear garments, which are basically like magical underwear, <laughs> and the, the polygamists, <laughs> I'm not making this shit up. Like, this is real.
0: garments. as, yeah. mag- okay, okay. So it's
1: their underwear, and they have, like, these, these like, special little symbols on both nipples and <laughs> on the belly. <laughs> and on the knee, they, like, remind you of, like, special promises that you make that you don't understand. Um, but it's legit. Like, it's so, like, the the LDS Mormons, they have, like, boxer underwear and, like, t- like T-shirts. And yeah. have, that's what they wear. Um, but the polygamists, they wear, like, these full, like, top to bottom like long, long John cowboy underwear that are white and they're kind of open down in the front and uh-huh. like down kind of around. Okay. Um, and you're supposed to, when you when you have, when you make love in order to make a baby, which is the only reason why you should be doing that, uh, they will, you're supposed to keep your garments on.
0: So there's symbols, wait, there's symbols on your nips and on your knees? On
1: your nips and on your belly and on your knee.
0: Why isn't there any in the genital region? <laughs> they were like, "Man, not important. Uh, knees are more important than knees uh, are more important." You remember,
1: then, then, yeah, you, gonna, like, <laughs> nothing there. It's because they try to pretend like there is nothing there. Oh, like, look, there's just nothing. In fact, growing up, when, when like I didn't know, I didn't learn anatomically correct names for things until I was like well into my teens. Um, but growing up, my one of my moms would call genitals your front bottom.
0: <laughs> wait is that like the 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 main term that people use? like what other terms do they use oh
1: i've heard i've heard um you know like they'll call them your privates they'll call them oh, yeah, your sure.
0: cookie Ew. Them, which,
1: yeah i think it's a really that's a really shitty way to because like what if they go to school and someone's like hey share your cookie with me
0: it's just so many also the fact it's very childlike in the terminology and like yeah. i don't like
1: very that. very yeah i mean the that's 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 Mormonism, right? Like there's there's a very in, very infantile approach to sexuality. Oh. Which my is basically God. like don't ever do it except when God tells you to do it and even then do it quickly and feel shame about it.
0: So wait, how does that affect you? How has that affected you as an adult human male?
1: As an adult human male, um I, it, the way that it affected me is that when I was Mormon, I had really terrible sex. Right? And now that I'm not Mormon, I have really great sex.
0: So what are you still, do you still practice like, um, like conscious non-monogamy or like polygamy or is that not your vibe No, right now,
1: right now I'm in like, I'm in like the post-divorce dating dating phase. Got
0: it. Okay. Okay.
1: Yeah. So I, and I, you know, I don't know where I don't, I'm, I'm trying to learn by experience, right? I'm trying to like figure out, like, I don't even know, I don't know what. I don't know what the what the ideal relationship configuration for me is because I yeah. haven't tried it yet. Right. So, um, yeah, I'm just kind of trying to get some experience.
0: Yeah, because there's like, so I guess not so many, but I guess in L.A. there is. I have friends, lots of friends who practice like conscious non-monogamy. You right. know, it's like not a weird taboo. Right. Thing. It's kind of it's
1: kind of funny that like I I I. I grow up in this polygamous where it's like this very alternative relationship style and I as soon as I came out it was like everyone thought it was cool yeah like (laughs) which I'm kind of like (laughs) wild who knew
0: (laughs) yeah well what is also if you don't want to talk about this we don't have to talk about this specifically but like dating as an ex-mormon seems like it would be an interesting thing like do you feel? Do you still feel residual shame, or is that totally? Because I feel like you, no, in so my I've, head, I've you would go really, like one way or the other.
1: Yeah, and I've kind of really intentionally like so. As soon as I, as soon as I, again, remember, I'm the guy that like I I hire people to fix me. Mm-hmm. So as soon as I was like, as soon as I was like, oh, I have sexual shame. I was like, find me a sex therapist and a dominatrix to fix this. Shit.
0: Yeah. Oh hell yeah, that sounds fun.
1: Yeah, it was super fun.
0: <laughs> Wait, so you hired the sex sex therapist first? Or- no, so
1: I hired I hired a, a trauma therapist and then I found a then I found a woman who's a th- sex therapist slash dominatrix.
0: Okay, so it's one but person she, who does both.
1: One person and um, yeah, and I did some I did some work with her and it was fucking magic. It was rad.
0: Oh, real? That sounds one. That sounds really fun. But two, how do you think that's useful for like being an ex more? mormon is it like specific to being i
1: think i think i think that's actually useful for being a man dating because 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 here's i mean here's my i don't think that just mormon men are fucked up when it comes to dating i from the things that i hear from the women that tell me these these stories i think that most men really suck
0: 1000
1: at at the sex and dating game and so i just i knew kind of when i left one of the things, cause I, I didn't explore at all. Like literally the, the woman that I married was the first person I'd ever had sex with and was Great. the second person that I'd ever kissed. Okay. And so I had, I'm leaving mormonism Second person?
0: Did you, that doesn't sound, were you a bad boy? I, know. I had,
1: I had been a naughty boy and I'd kissed him. Oh, yeah.
0: you're naughty. Okay. I, I
1: was and still am.
0: <laughs> I interrupted but,
1: you. Keep going. <laughs> but so I'm, I'm like, I, I'm, I'm leaving Mormonism. And I'm like, I know that part of what I want to do part of the reason i want to be divorced is that i want to be able to explore my sexuality sure right i want to be able to have no ties to uh uh, an individual and to be able to just express my unique sexuality and sexual energy however it wants to express and i want to do that in a way that is healthy and appropriate and doesn't cause harm to other people especially to the women that I'm doing it with.
0: Mm -hmm. So
1: I'm going to try and figure out, there's got to be a way to do both, right? There's got to be a way where I can be very free and and explore and also do that in a way that's safe and and respectful to the people I'm doing it with. So I just started Googling, I actually found her on TikTok, but I was like, just trying I'm like, I know that there are people who can teach me how to do this. I just Mm -hmm. have to find them. And so so I eventually found found this person and I went to a, a couple of the trainings that she had done she had kind of like these these group uh sessions and and I learned about um I learned about consent I learned about how to have consent conversations in a way that is like sexy and fun and not like boring and stupid I've learned about how to um how to play with sexual energy in a lot more different ways than just you know penetration that there's yeah. so many different ways that you can like, you can just be like, oh, what if we did this? Or what if we did this? There's so many different ways that you can create kind of a, a fun and erotic encounter with someone that that is unique to both people and respectful of both people's boundaries. And so that's actually been a lot of like, one of the funnest areas for me to explore personally has been there because it allows me to kind of express who I am and to find fun and creative and interesting and sometimes silly ways of, of getting turned on. Mm-hmm. And to do that in a way that, sort of requires me to use my voice to speak what I want and then to listen to to a partner and what, to what they want. Um,
0: that was so well put and I never compliment men, but that was really well put. Like, I, I, you know what's, what I think is like very cool about you is that like when you don't know something or like when you wanna work on something, you figure it out, like you go Google it and then you try. Yeah. I can't tell you. How many men I've met where I'm like, why didn't you do that thing? And they're like, oh, I didn't know how to do it. And I'm like, so then did you try to figure out? No, I just didn't know how to do it. I'm like, what the fuck is wrong what with you? What the fuck you? is wrong?
1: Go figure out how to do it.
0: Figure one it of, out.
1: One of the one of the things that I've been the most profoundly grateful for in, in my whole journey, right? And And, and I'm not going to lie. It really, really sucks to wake up at like 26 years old and to realize that everything that you've done up until that point has been because of a lie right? That is not a fun realization. And it's also given me a really profound gift, which is the realization that I can be fundamentally wrong about something. Mm. Right. And so what that allows me to do is now I'm not scared of being wrong anymore. I think that a lot of men, for whatever reason, they've been, they've been conditioned to, 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 to always, they always have to be right. Right. So if yep. they're wrong, that looks weak. There's all these triggers that are, that are connected with that. Right. So they, it, they cannot admit it. And for me, it's fucking easy. Like if I'm wrong about something, I can promise you there's nothing that I could be wrong about right now. That is as big as the thing that I was already wrong about. Cause I was wrong about fucking everything. So knowing that about me now I don't have to be afraid of being wrong. In fact, being wrong is just a that's just an opportunity to learn cool things, yeah. right? So if I don't know how to, like if I don't know how to have a you know a consent conversation, great, awesome, that's me being wrong. Now I get to go learn how to be right and it turns out that when you're right about those things, you get to do a lot of really cool stuff.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you're totally right. It is like a right or wrong thing. I I feel so comfortable being wrong. Like you said, like, I'm just like, Oh, okay, cool. Then right. I guess I'll we'll so, figure it out. And you know what I mean? But some right. people it's like, so
1: easy. It's just like, yeah. yeah.
0: Well, I think it's like a failure thing too, which is why I really like doing a podcast about bouncing back. Is because like, usually the growth is in the failure or the being wrong or the, you know, the, but right before you bounce back, like that, that is where you grow. You don't grow from being right all the time. You don't grow. You know what I mean?
1: And, and what kind of world, like when I, when I think about what, what I was wrong about, right? Like who, who wants to be right about everything when you're 14 Mm. or when you're 25 or when you're 35 or when you're 65, right? Who wants to be right about everything? All the- Cause if you're right about everything, that means that your life is fucking boring. Mm. Like you mm. have, fi- if you've l- really figured everything out, then what the fuck are you doing?
0: Yeah. What's your relationship like with your like family, like your bio, like parents or siblings or whatever.
1: Right, right now. So it's been kind of a journey, right? So it's been, you know, when I, when I first left, there was quite a bit of distance. They told me that I was going to be, you know, buffeted by the winds of Satan for the rest of my life, which has actually been true. But it turns out that when Satan buffets you, it's just really great.
0: I haven't never heard of that f- phrase buffeted by buffeted. Satan. What is that? Buffeted mean?
1: by the winds of Satan. What? I think what it means, what it means is that <laughs> Satan's going to blow me, which has been true. And,
0: and it's great.
1: And would would recommend.
0: What a buffin it was buffering buffin. buffin. <laughs> <laughs> <It>
1: was. <laughs> uh, okay, funny. so it was um, bad. They were like, yeah, "Fuck so it was you." Bad, um, that we didn't we didn't talk for 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 very long. Um, but part of part of the healing when I decided to go on the healing journey, right? When I when I sort of realized, oh, I'm damaged. I need to heal. I I as I was going through that process, I was aware of. That it wasn't just me, right, that that was going to be healing because of this. I was, I was part of, and that it wasn't just me that was the that was it wasn't like that. There were things beyond just my life, right? There were generational patterns that mm. were happening. So um kind of early on in my in my journey, there was a there was a point where I sort of made a list of all of the things that my parents had done that I felt angry about, that I felt like they had harmed me. And then I went back to them and I, I sat them down and I was like, you guys, this isn't going to be a fun conversation for you, but it's going to be a necessary conversation for you if you want to have any kind of relationship with me in the future. So here are all the ways that you hurt me. Here are the ways that it impacts me in my life. Here's you know the cost of that. Here's how I feel about that. Um, and it was kind of an intense conversation, but but it was also one where I kind of showed up in a lot of authentic emotion. So I was very clearly showing that I was angry. I was very clearly showing when I was sad. And, and there was something kind of magic about that authentic display, because it sort of melted my parents, Mm -hmm. and they didn't fight with me, they didn't argue, they just acknowledged, and then they apologized. And that kind of created a scenario where, where we sort of had cleared the air, then we were kind of at rock bottom. And then uh, we could kind of build from there. So after that, we didn't talk for a little while. Um, and then we sort of started slowly kind of starting to, to reconnect here and there. And then um, about a year ago, about a year and a half ago, kind of right around the time when I, I sort of started going through the, the the divorce process, I started to really miss like my parents and my siblings. I kind of started to miss, like I wanted, I wanted like that energy in my life again. Like I wanted to have a dad. And I wanted to have a mom. Like I wanted to have people who were like, like I could imagine what it might feel like to have a dad and a mom who are on my side, mm. right? And kind of having that energy kind of you know kind of like that parental energy that was like feeding me rather than sort of sucking from me. Mm-hmm. Um And so I was kind of in that in that space of like just wanting to heal that. And I also sort of recognized that I'd gotten to the point in my own healing where, I couldn't continue to heal unless I'd reconciled and healed the relationship with my parents, that that was the next step. Mm. Right. And that that wasn't going to come. Like I wasn't going to get any other different parents. I wasn't going to like the the parents that I have are those parents. And that's the relationship that I need to fix. Um, so I was kind of in that space and uh, I wasn't quite sure what to do with it. And then I went to Burning Man last year. And while I was at Burning Man, I was kind of walking around um, just like, Fucking watch yeah. this place? Yeah. Right. Having having a blast. And I started to feel really sad because I realized that I was like, this place is amazing. I love this. Is the this is like the peak expression of humanity, like so awesome. And I will probably never be here with anyone, any members of my family. Right? They'll they'll never get here with me. And that made me feel really sad. Um, and then I looked up and in the distance, there was just this huge sign with this giant white sign with red letters. And it said free dad advice. And so I was like, sweet, that's exactly what I need. So I walked up into this, into this camp and I was like, Hey guys, I'm here for the free dad advice. And this lady's like, great, I got you. And so she sat, sat sat me down. She's like 65 years old. And she's like, tell me, tell me what kind of dad advice you need. And I was like, well, I don't really have a relationship with my dad and I'm, I feel I feel sad about that sometimes like I feel the lack of that but I don't know if it's worth the energy to repair. And so I'm just kind of in this place where I feel stuck. And she said, "Well, um what I my advice to you is to grow up and call your dad and tell him that and then ask tell him what's going on in your life and ask for his advice." And that was kind of like a like a light bulb went off for me and I was like, "Oh my god. I just have to ask for what I want and then I can have it." Mm-hmm magic and so i was like super excited i'm like i'm gonna go and she's like wait 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 tell me a little bit more about your dad and so i'm like well he's a he's a mormon polygamist man with three wives and 16 children and she's like i am gonna change my advice uh my new advice for you is that you should give up because your dad probably can't show up for you in the way that you want him to and I i don't want i don't want you to get your hopes up and to feel bummed and I'm like, I hate that advice. I'm going to go with your first advice. <laughs> okay. And so when I got back home, I, I kind of intended to call him. I was like, I'm going to do that because, and I sort of felt like if I did that, it would maybe resolve, like, even if he didn't respond in the way that I wanted him to, that it would resolve something in me, mm. right? That I would have shown up and, and done that and that I would sort of be reconciled to that energy in my life. Um, But I kind of just kept pushing it off. And then he eventually called me and he was like hey i'm gonna be in town uh you know next to your house uh, in about a week i'd love to take you out for lunch and so he took me out for lunch and he told me that he'd been thinking about me and that he's he'd been feeling like he wanted to reconnect that he wanted to kind of be available to be a dad to me and, and he was like i know that you know um i you live your life differently than me but i want to i want to work past that wow and yeah, it was pretty, it was a pretty cool, a pretty cool gesture. And so I, I told him, I was like, I've been thinking the same thing. And, you know, I told him the story about what, about Burning Man. And I was like, I, I wanted to, I would like for you to be my dad. And what I need from a dad right now in my life is I need you to, I need you to be there. I need you to be someone that I can rely on. I need you to be able to be someone I can call if I'm having a hard time. And for, for your response to that hard time to not be you should repent. Why are you like to actually be like supportive and helpful? And, and like, I need you to be that for me. And if you can be that for me, then I would love for you to be that for me. And he said, he's like, I I would love to, I know that there are going to be things that you do that I disagree with. And I was like, dad, I've done three of those things this morning, (laughs) like starting with showing my elbows. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm definitely going to, and he's like, but I, I, I can be bigger than that. And so ever since then, that was about a year ago. And ever since then, it's been, it's been kind of a negotiated relationship. Like, like, um, it's not, it's not perfect, but I don't think anyone's relationship with their parents is, is perfect. And like, sometimes when I, if I call him, he'll, he'll respond in ways that aren't helpful, Mm -hmm. but because we, we've had this discussion because it's kind of built on this, on this understanding of he's willing to show up for me and I'm expecting him to show up for me, I'm able to say, hey, that that way that you responded to me wasn't helpful. Could you please do this instead? Right. Yeah. Which has actually been really great, great for me because then I get practice doing what I need to do actually, which is like parents can't read your minds. Mm-hmm. So actually as adults, we have to tell our parents, our spouses, our anyone who's in relationship with us—we actually have the obligation to tell them how we want them to treat us. They can't just read our minds, and and so it's actually been a really great practice for me to do that. And sometimes he's shown up and in just really spectacular ways. Like yeah. sometimes I there was there were there were a couple of months ago I was having just a really really tough time, and I I and I was a little bit worried. I was like ah, this is the moment when I when I when i needed my dad right where i knew like this is when i would want to call my dad to get some support but i don't know if he's going to be able to do it for me or not and i called him and i just told him how i was feeling and he just responded in a really beautiful way and um yeah so it's been it's kind of been it's been a little bit of a journey but it feels like it's it's in a good place now
0: yeah the thing that like you said that really stood out to me was you were like Well, there was two things. But one is like you needing to reach out for you, like not expecting the result of or his response or whatever to be a specific way, but like needing to do it for you, which I think is like so helpful and so true because like we can't we can't control how another person is going to respond. So it's like we can't do things in an attempt to get a certain behavior or response from someone. We have to do it for ourselves and then like also knowing when a person is like safe to have in your life like emotionally physically whatever you know because like some some parents relationships or whatever are not safe physically emotionally or whatever and like being able to distinguish the difference you know
1: well and and what i would say too is like um Cause I, I, I totally like, I, I believe in like, in keeping only safe relationships in your life so much.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I think that, um, if there, if you true, if someone truly wants to have a safe relationship in their lives with, with someone that maybe perhaps right now is not safe, um, that there is a path to safety, Mm-mm. right. And that the path to safety is very clear boundaries about what you will and will not tolerate. Yeah. Yeah and then very sincere requests for what it is that you need. Yeah.
0: So true.
1: And if you can kind of be, and and you should only do that, right. Sometimes the boundary, I I really think that the thing that with my dad only worked the way that it did, because I literally gave this man like 10 years to go and think about what he did. Mm. Right. So there was, there wasn't, it wasn't just like a, like a, oh, I'm going to like take you back. It was. There was a very, very clear separation and a very hard boundary for a very long time that said, because of how you have treated me, I do not want you around me. Yeah. Right? And that that boundary actually is what created the space for then him to come in and say, okay, I would like to connect with you through the conditions of your boundaries. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And so... I think it's just like, like you said, like there's, the, the, we have to, people can't read our minds. We have to be able to tell people how to treat us. And that's a real, like, I, I didn't realize how much, um, and this is what therapy has really helped with is that I didn't really realize how much in my life I had been complicit in my own manipulation and abuse, which is not to say that I would, that I, that like, it's okay that people did things to me, but almost all of the time I was allowing it to be done to me because I didn't know that I could say no. Mm. Right. I didn't know that I had actually the ability to not accept behavior in a certain way. Cause when you're, when you're groomed, especially as a young child, when you're told Hey, you just got to do what God wants. And then anything that dad says, like you just, you lose all sense of your, of your own separation. Yeah, And that's not true. Like you get to, you got to do whatever you want. You got to have whatever boundaries you want. And, and that's, you, you have to kind of own that first. And then you can start to bring these people back into your life on your terms.
0: Yeah. Regaining like autonomy over yourself. Um, Mm -hmm. We are out of time, but I really want to ask you one last question really quick. Um, If you could give a piece of advice to someone experiencing a low point in their life right now, um, which I mean, this whole episode was great advice, but if there's like anything else that we haven't talked about that you would want to tell them.
1: Yeah, I I think I would just say, um, I would just say, ask yourself what it is that you're trying to avoid feeling and then really let yourself sit with that whatever it is that you're that you're trying because there's there's this when i'm at low points the experience that i'm having is that i've i've been i've often been resisting something and i'm trying to fight it 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 and you just have to surrender to it and that doesn't mean That doesn't mean don't do anything. That doesn't mean being in action. That means whatever the thing that is putting you there, fully acknowledge it, fully feel it, fully be with it, let it happen because it already has happened. And then, then it kind of moves through you. It sort of moves through you. And then you can kind of, you can kind of like respond to the wreckage on the other end.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's so true. Um, thank you so much for sharing, for being a part of this, for telling me I'm a big, big old slut for my shoulders. You're uh, welcome. It's been a, <laughs> it's
1: been a
0: fucking treat.
1: I, uh, I don't get to tell people that they're sluts very often. Um, you know, I was raised to kind of do that a lot. Right. I was, I expected right. I would go out and just like tell everyone that they were sluts and I haven't had as many opportunities to do it. So I'm, I'm glad So that,
0: glad that I could be that person for you.
1: I'm so glad that you were too. And <laughs> thanks for, uh, thanks for, uh, just. Creating this, this this space and and uh, inviting me on to, to, to share my story. Of
0: course. Thanks for listening to this episode of How the Fuck Did You Bounce Back? I'm Rebecca Lee. And if you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to leave a review, a comment, like it, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you're listening to this right now. And remember, new episodes every Thursday. Take good care of yourself.